Uh, I'm so honored and so thankful that you're here with us today. I, I want to welcome you here in this holy moment. The, the reason I say this, and here's the negative, some of you won't be here for long. You may be here physically, you may even be here mentally, but maybe your emotions are somewhere else. Or maybe you're here physically, but mentally you're, you're not really here with us. I mean, you're here right now in this moment, but then all of a sudden your phone's going to buzz and your mind's going to wander and you're going to get distracted by that message on your phone. Some of you will actually initiate a text message in the middle of my sermon, and that's okay. I can see you and won't hold it against you. Some of you, you won't be able to take it anymore, and you'll have to check your Instagram feed because you don't know what's going on out there for the last seven minutes, and you have to be in touch. Some of you, you'll be thinking about what you have to do this afternoon. Or maybe you're like me. You might be thinking of where you need to eat. You might be worried about something and your mind drifts toward the bills, toward the distracting person that's actually two rows in front of you. Or maybe it's to that cute girl who doesn't have a ring on her hand when she was worshiping God. I know some of you won't be here for long. And and I want to read for you God's Word, and we're going to go back to an unusual uh, piece of Scripture to introduce this message. You might remember this story from Sunday school. It was Jesus' first miracle. He performed this miracle. He was at a wedding. If you don't know the context, it was an incredibly embarrassing moment for the host who is hosting this wedding to run out of wine. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 2. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. Jesus' mom, now picture this, Jesus' mom in John chapter 2 says this to Jesus. Jesus, go do something about it. Jesus said to his, the servants, go get these jars, these massive jars. What I want you to do is fill them up with water. Now these weren't regular jars. These aren't one liter little jars. Maybe these jars were 20 or 30 gallon jars. And and Jesus said to the servants, what I want you to do is I want you to draw the water out of the jars and then go give it to the master of the banquet, the host. Here's what John chapter 2 verse 8 says. Then he told them, this is Jesus speaking, now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. Of course, the, the servants did that. And in verse 9 we read, the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize, the host didn't realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is what it says in the Greek. After they've had too much, we bring the cheap stuff out. Now, I always thought 
The next line say, said this, but you saved the best for last. That's not what God's Word says. What God's Word said is, but you've saved the best till now. Friends, listen to this. Yours and my best days are right now. If you've been walking with us this summer, we're in this message series called A Better Way, and what we're doing is looking at the way Jesus lived. Not just the truth that Jesus taught, but the way that he lived. And one of the most striking qualities about the way Jesus lived is no matter who he interacted with, no matter what he was doing, he was always present in the moment. He was fully present. He lived with what I call an undivided attention in the moment. In fact, what I want to do is I want to go back to a couple Bible stories that illustrate his, his heart for people. Right, the people that were right in front of him. He was fully engaged in the moment. In fact, the first one we find in Luke, Jesus was walking in Jericho. And if you can imagine, there's huge crowds all around him. So imagine Jesus walking into this magnificent, this beautiful walled city. All these people are gathered around Jesus. There's crowds fighting for Jesus' attention. And he's walking in, and a blind man, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, Son of God, Have mercy on me. The disciples, who a lot of times look like me, were offended. Jesus doesn't have time for this guy. Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus is way too important. Jesus is too busy. Jesus has an agenda. Jesus isn't going to stop for a guy who's begging on the side of the road and the disciples rebuked the blind beggar and said, go away. And Jesus then rebukes the disciples and Jesus engages with a single hurting person. Fully engaged in the moment, Jesus stopped, gave him all of his attention and said this, what would you like me to do for you? The man cries out, could you heal me? I haven't been able to see my whole life. Jesus spoke a miraculous word of faith and healed the man. Now the second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time to stop for. He He fully engaged with the person in front of him. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, we get another story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He was walking through Jericho. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was very wealthy. Now, if you notice, Jesus was interrupted by a blind poor beggar. Now Jesus is being interrupted by a rich, corrupt tax collector. What I love about Jesus is he's got time for the down and out, and he's got time for the up and out. 
He's got time for anyone and a heart for anyone. It doesn't matter where you come from, how bad your baggage is, how dirty your baggage is, how rich it is, Jesus cares about you. Jesus stops for this guy named Zacchaeus. Now, maybe in your mind it's like the same as my mind where you're going, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because he knew if he saw Jesus, his life would be changed. He knew if he just got a glimpse of Jesus, his life would be changed. You know, if anyone was in Sunday school as a kid, you knew who Zacchaeus was. He was a tax collector, which might not mean a lot to us now be in this culture because a tax collector can be a respectable person. You don't enjoy paying taxes, but during this time, this was one of the most corrupt jobs of all the jobs you could have. A tax collector would be a person who would charge what you owed and then he would add like a little tax to it. And he'd keep that little tax for himself. And so you can just imagine this is the most despised, most hated person. And Jesus calls this guy by his name. He sees him. Zacchaeus. Jesus essentially invites himself over for lunch, and as he's going somewhere, after he'd already been interrupted once, he gives a no-good sinner his full attention. And when he's talking to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has this moment of deep repentance in the presence of the Son of God. And Zacchaeus says something like this, Jesus, I've sinned so many times. I've hurt so many people. I'm sorry. I'll do anything I can to make it up. Then he just blurts out, you can almost feel him making it up, and he means it. Zacchaeus says, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. I'll pay back four times to anyone that I stole from. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, today, today, in this moment, right now, Salvation has come to your home. See, Jesus has an undivided attention in the moment. He stops and he gives people one of the greatest gifts he can give. His attention and his love. See, Jesus was always fully present in the moment and I want to be like that. But unfortunately, I'm not like that. And I've been praying for some time and asking God to help me be engaged in whatever is in front of me. Friends, I want to be where my feet are. I don't want to just live for happy moments and the up moments and the powerful moments and the outwardly meaningful moments. I want to be present in the moments, even in the annoying moments. I wonder how many of us, and don't raise your hands, are living in the middle of a lot of annoying moments. Don't point at that person. But I'm just saying, you know, there are seasons of life that are more annoying than others. See, we're literally complaining about the very moments right now that you're going to miss one day in the future. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. Now, the statistical odds would show that I've lost some of you already. Harvard a few years ago did a study and what they found is 47% of the time people's minds are not in the same place that their feet are. 
47% of the time, you're in a conversation with someone and your mind isn't there. 47% of the time, you're sitting in church or at dinner with your family, engaged with someone at work, talking to someone in the gym or in the middle of your small group. Almost half of your waking life, your mind is not fully engaged where the rest of your body is. In fact, one of the biggest enemies of our attention, I would argue, is our cell phone. It's shocking to think about how often you can be distracted from the very place that your feet are. The average cell phone users, Harvard found this, touches their cell phone 2,617 times a day. If you don't believe me, just do a half an hour study on yourself. Whatever's in front of you isn't as important as the being or the potential look, or the news thing, or the stupid cat video, or the conspiracy thing your friend sent you, or checking to see if you got any likes. That's just the average. The amazing thing about some of us is we're so above average. Here at Daybreak, we're not just a church of average people. When we go all out in our dysfunction, many of us go all the way out. The average is 2,617 times. But the top 10% of cell phone users, they touch their phone over 5,400 times in a day. You aren't with whatever or whoever's in front of you. Your mind is always somewhere else. But some of you went, I don't touch my phone that much. Okay. Maybe it's not your phone. But maybe it's just playing games. See, my mind likes to play games. The top two games that my mind plays is I play the when, then game. The one day when, then I'm going to be happy. You might do that. You know when you were a kid, like when you were in high school, you said this, when I get done high school, then I'll be happy. And then it's like when I get out of college and I pay off my debt and when I get a real job and then when I get married and then when we have children and then when they're not in diapers and then when they're growing up and then when I'm in diapers. So many of us, we're literally going through life wishing away the current moment, wishing away what is right in front of you. Don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. See, Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. If it's not the when and then game, I often play the what if game. It's projecting into the future. What if this happens? You might do this. What if I don't pass the test? What if I don't get into a good college? What if I don't get a good job? What if I don't attract a good spouse? And then what if we have dumb kids? And then what if we can't afford braces because I didn't get a good job and they're going to have crooked teeth in life? I've ruined my kids. All because I didn't pass this test. And you and I tend to do this. What if this happens? What if the government does this? What if the economy has this happen to it? For me, what if the Oilers win the Stanley Cup for the sixth time? A little shot there. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough to worry about itself. 
Jesus says, don't worry about what's coming. Tomorrow will worry about itself. What I love about Jesus is he isn't anti-planning. He said, I'm not telling you to not plan for the future, but I'm telling you not to worry about the future. Friends, at daybreak, it's really important to be present in the moment. Why is it do you think that we're often not fully present? Sometimes it's we're just plain distracted. But then as I prayed about it and thought about it, I think one of the reasons we're often not fully present in the moment is because we lack faith. We're all freaked out about something that happened a long time ago. And I'm working to figure it out and undo it. Or we're all freaked out about what's going to happen in the future. And what I've discovered is that all this praying is that's the only way we can be present in the moment. Is to actually surrender the past that you can't change. And trust a God with a future you can't control. The only way to be fully present in the moment is to let go of a past that you can't change no matter what you do and trust a God that has it. Surrender your future and trust that God is good, that He cares, that He's already been there, that He redeems the past because He's good in the future. You can be fully engaged with the person or that which is in front of you. It takes faith to engage in God in what God's calling you two right in front of you. In fact, I love the way that James phrases it. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He says this in James chapter 4, 13 and 14. Now listen. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on with our business and we'll actually make money. Then verse 14, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Those of you who used to say that, guess what happened? COVID. You didn't get to go anywhere. I mean, you who say you've got it all figured out, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. He keeps asking this pressing question, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Maybe sometime when you're at home, grab a glass, a clear glass. Breathe on that clear glass. Watch the mist come and watch the mist fade away. Friends, that's our lives. The image that really gets me often is the hourglass, and I like to think about it this way. This is my life. I'm here for a little while, and the moment that God has given me on this earth is passing away in each moment. But there's three things about the hourglass that really are interesting to me. It scares me that the sand is going that fast right now. But the first thing is that no one knows how much sand is on the top. You think you do, but there's a lot of people who thought there was a lot more than there really is. The second thing is, no matter what you do, you can't stop the sand from flowing. 
Time is passing and every day is a gift from God. Today is a gift from God and some of you are wishing today away. And the third, once the sand hits the bottom, you can never get it back. Friends, this is the most important moment in your life. We could say this, that experiencing life with God's people is one of the greatest things ever. That's why I love what David said in Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. We've got today, this day. And because this is God's day, David then penned, we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. You can't be happy where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't love people the way that Jesus did where you're not. This is the day the Lord has made. The most important moment is right now. The most important person is the one right in front of you. See, friends, I used to live for the big moments, the special moments, the powerful moments, but the more that I'm becoming fully present, I've recognized that the most powerful moments are often the smallest moments. The most meaningful aren't often the mountaintop, but the conversation that I just had with someone I love. Please don't miss out what you have now, pursuing what you want later. This is the day the Lord has made, and when you look at the way that Jesus lived, not just the truth He taught, but the way He lived, as He walked along, people weren't interruptions or inconveniences. They were moments and opportunities to engage and show the goodness and the love of God. This moment, all that you have is this moment. This moment matters. This moment completely matters. To be fair, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to make you feel guilty. I get distracted like crazy. I can hardly be anywhere, so I'm working on it. When you think about Jesus, if there was any time that he could have been distracted from others, if there was any time that he could have been consumed with himself like we often are, it would have been on the cross. When you think about it, here is the sinless Son of God. People stripped him down naked, beat him so he didn't even look like a human being. They whipped and flogged him so his back was left open and bleeding. He probably had his internal organs hanging out. He's hanging on the cross. He's having to push his feet with nails through his ankles. He had to pull up with his wrists, with nails in his wrists, trying to get a breath as people cursed him and spit on him. And who's he hanging out on the cross with? A couple criminals. Who looked over at Jesus, one of them who looked over at Jesus, had a conversation And the guy said something, and it's probably more than what we have recorded in Scripture. And it probably went along these kind of lines. Jesus, I've done a lot of bad things. Jesus, I feel really bad about them. Jesus, I'm really, really sorry. Whatever he said, we know he said this. He looked at Jesus and said this, Remember me when you come. Remember me in your kingdom. 
Even in the middle of Jesus' suffering, the worst, most painful moment of Jesus' life, he's fully engaged with the criminal across and looks over at him and says this, Today, friend, you'll be with me in paradise. See, I don't know this, who this is for. But you can't serve Jesus where you're not. And you can't be happy and fulfilled where you're not. And you can't love people where you're not. If your mind is not where your body is 47% of the time, you're missing out on the life that God has given to you. It's right in front of you. You can't be a great friend if you're not there. You can't be an engaged mom or dad if you're not there. You can't have a great marriage if you're not there until you realize this is the day the Lord has made. Because of that, I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, God has saved the day, the best days for you now. Now in this moment, right now, you can experience His grace. In this moment, you can experience His mercy. In this moment, you can experience His forgiveness. Right now, His power is here. His freedom is here. His grace is here. All of God's goodness is here. Can you sense it? This holy moment, God is with us now. I believe that God wanted me to tell you your best days are now. Knowing that tomorrow is not a promise, but this is a moment you can experience God. Your best moments can be right now. Engage in the moment. Be where your feet are. See what God put in front of you. I promise you, His goodness, His grace, His love is better than you could imagine. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day, the moment the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let me pray for us. God, help us to surrender a past we cannot change and trust You with a future we cannot control and be engaged fully in the moment. Draw our minds to where we are so we can love people the way You love us. God, convict us, empower us, change us to be more like Jesus. To live the way that Jesus lived, fully engaged in the moment, showing Your love in all that we do. And we ask all this in Your most powerful name. Amen.